0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's in Micah number five. Can you handle the truth? The informative voice for Christianity, The Marty Minto Show. Well, welcome once again to The Marty Minto Show podcast. I am your host, Marty Minto, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. And again, it's a delight to be with you here today. Wherever you may be listening to this podcast, maybe you've downloaded it, you're listening in your car, maybe at work, at home, at play, whatever the case may be, but we are glad that you're listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast, and what, again, a blessing it is uh, to have you uh, a part of this ministry. That's exactly what it is. It's a ministry uh, in which we're trying to truly help uh, build up, strengthen, encourage the body of Christ Uh, everywhere where people who claim to be Christians are listening, along with the reality that we want to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with people who are lost. And uh, so here on the program, as always, I remind everybody, we have three purposes, three priorities in this podcast, and that is to learn so that we may teach others and may defend the truth, because in the last days, The Greatest Battles is really about the truth, and it's going to take place within the visible church amongst the false teachers. And uh, I can tell you right now it's a great battle, and the battle that's continuing to grow into rage, and that's why this podcast is of such importance uh, for people. And uh, I'm delighted to be your host. And uh, a lot of great things are happening. Uh, People have been uh, responding about the tracks. I want to remind you about the uh, tracks that we have available for free. And these are tracks that you could hand out to your loved ones, co workers, to people, total strangers. Uh, They're gospel tracks. And on these tracks, um, it's really asking the question Are you prepared for heaven? Are you prepared really for eternity? And uh, we look at four different things, God, Adam, Jesus, and man, and we get a good wholesome understanding of the gospel, a lot of scripture, and again, they are made available absolutely for free. All you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com, or connect with me on uh, Facebook on The Marty Minto Show, Twitter, uh, or Instagram, and uh, we'll do our best to get them sent out to you, and uh, again, we are just grateful Uh, that uh, God has taken this track and He's using it. People are passing them out. People are uh, using it as a tool to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, we want to put them into your hands. I want to let you know that this broadcast itself is truly listener-supported. And uh, if you'd like to donate to the Marty Minto Show podcast and help us to continue in this ministry and reaching people, uh, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm Backslash Marty Minto. That's where the Marty Minto Show podcast platform starts at. That's our kind of our base, our home base where we start at. But there is a button there that you can press uh, to um, to to support, and uh, you could give a, an amount of you know give in, any amount, and we will do our best uh, to use that for God and for His glory. And uh, it's interesting that I'm saying that today because today's program. Uh, is a difficult one. It's a difficult one because we're going to be talking about uh, the church, the body of Christ. We're going to be talking about leadership in the church, and this all comes based on an article that came out today in the Christian Post. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this man. He was the senior pastor, founder of Harvest Bible Chapel. Uh, His name is James McDonald. You may have heard his Bible program called Walk in the Word. And um, as I read today's headline, i got to be honest with you, it just bothered me. Here's the headline out of the Christian Post. James McDonald used church funds for African safari, lavish vacations, says former staff. Uh, if you have not already heard, he was recently ousted as the pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel. And uh, this is something very dear to me because I I began to realize throughout the years in my personal experience that this is taking place more and more. It's becoming too often a, a common thing we hear about the church today and leadership in the church. And it's very, very disturbing, and I'm going to share my heart today with you, and I'm going to tell you some things that are bothering to, to me, bothersome, and I think it's one of the reasons why many people stay away from the visible church, because of all the scandals that are out there today uh, and that are taking place, especially amongst leaders within the church. Um, Kind of on a side note, it's very personal to me because I do not know— James McDonald in an intimate, personal way, but I know him personally, if that makes any sense. I'll tell you why. Many, many years ago, I was working for a huge Christian radio company, and I was out west, and I was uh, doing my talk show, and there was a man standing outside of the glass window who had just come in with a bunch of other men in suits, and this man himself was in a suit and tie and Very well put together, and he was standing outside, and he was listening to the speaker out in the uh, foyer area uh, of our radio station, and he was listening to my talk show. And I really believe that I was talking about at that time, and again, sometimes in my memory, but I'm almost positive I was talking about Christians in holiness. I was talking about, you know, walking by the Spirit of God and what it meant to be filled with the Spirit and not living by the flesh. And I was talking about different things, and I watched this man, he sat down and he was listening very intently. Well, I had a top-of-the-hour break, a longer break than normal, uh, because of, we had the news and we had a bunch of advertisements and, you know, some of our people that uh, partnered with us. There was different things going on, so my break at the top of the hour was a little bit longer than normal. Well, my general manager, my GM, came in to me and said, Marty, I want to introduce you to someone uh, that you're going to hear uh, on our airways uh, coming up this this next week or so. And uh, he is now a part of the network of this particular company that I was working for. And uh, he will be doing a syndicated uh, Bible teaching program. And I want to introduce you to Mr. James McDonald from Harvest Bible Chapel. And I got a chance to talk with um, Mr. McDonald, Pastor McDonald, and I, I was overwhelmed, I was impressed. Because he was well put together, um, we began to talk. He, He was very purposely, intently listening to the broadcast, and he began to entertain conversation with me about... You know, living by the Spirit and what it was to be a child of God, and and I had a great time. I mean, it got to the point where I almost got myself in trouble. My my uh, engineer was kind of giving me the looks and running his hands up in the air, saying, "We got to get back on the air." And um, I had a just an awesome experiencing experience. Excuse me, meeting James McDonald and his program, Walk in the Word. I got to be honest with you. Uh, was for quite some time a program that I truly enjoyed. Uh, I felt that, um, you know, Pastor McDonald really kind of—he he took the Word of God, and he took it to where the rubber meets the road. And uh, i, I got to be honest with you, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the way the program was put together. It was cutting edge, uh, but at the same time, it was solid, um, and it, it was good. I mean, just really good. I'm just being honest with you. And, you know, I over the years I would listen, but I began to realize, just like with everything, you know, th- some changes had taken place. One of the first changes I recognized with the program that eventually the opening music and song was changed and different, and apparently they had some somebody recorded and came up with the jingle for A Walk in the Word, but things began to change. Well, uh, a few years later maybe just a little bit more than a few, maybe several. I was at a big national religious broadcaster's convention, and I ran into James McDonald. And at first I didn't recognize him, did not recognize him at all. And he did not remember who I was in any way, shape, or form. Now, he looked a little different because, you know, just like all of us, he put on a few pounds. But what was different about James McDonald was his whole entire look. He was dressed in these rugged blue jeans, kind of wearing some type of boot. He had a leather jacket on. And most of his hair was shaved off the top. He had this goatee. Everything changed about him. I got to be honest with you, I had to do a double take because he wasn't the James McDonald that I had remembered. Uh, meeting that time at that Christian radio station, and as I looked at him, I, I wasn't trying to be judgmental. He he looked like, and, and I know this is probably stereotyping, but he looked like a biker guy. But he just looked different, and I stopped him for a moment, and he didn't have a clue who I was. Um, he basically tried to, you know, tried to find his way through, but he didn't remember me, and that's okay. I wasn't expecting him necessarily. I mean, we didn't have that much time to make any type of impact or impression on him. But I thought maybe he would remember that day because we were one of the first radio stations, if not the first, on this tour that he was doing with the leaders of his church to go and promote and talk about the upcoming Walk in the Word program. But now we have, many years later, we have a church that exploded absolutely positively exploded. Uh, they had multi-campuses. They were considered a megachurch. Things had taken place in this ministry that uh, many never even believe would be possible. But again, I want to be careful because I just go back to the man I met. I remember the early programs. I remember things, and I thought to myself, this man truly is a solid Bible teacher. This is good stuff. And then I hear stories about this. I hear the story that he's, he's fired, he's ousted. He's accused of many different things. And I think to myself, what is going on today? Why do we see more and more of this? Well, my first, you know, my first response is simply this, is that we have a tendency as human beings, even within quote-unquote Christendom, we put people on pedestals. Especially church leaders. We put them on pedestals. We create the who's who of Christianity. We create superstars within the body of Christ. And then I'm reminded by God that God is not a respecter of persons. All of us, no matter who we are, I mean, the truth of the matter is we are truly all sinners, we are saved. The same way, by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, and that faith is a gift from God. We call it saving faith. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to God, when it comes to the body of Christ, there is no superstars. There's many members, but there's one body. But And we know that many people are you know, gifted by God. He's the one who gifts them. He's the one who gives to them as he desires, God the Holy Spirit, for the body to work and to function the way that God intended it To function, but we have a tendency to say, you know, oh, you know, I I follow this person, I follow that person, and and I begin to realize more and more. I don't care what circle you're in, if you're in the Baptist circle, you're in the Presbyterian circle, you're in the Methodist circle, you're in the Pentecostal circles, uh, you're in the Reformed circles. We put these men on pedestals. We 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 buy into. They're marketed by sometimes the church ministries by other Christian companies, their books, their CDs, uh, you know their teachings, their videos, you name it and you got these men that are superstars and, and no lie I've watched it before they end up signing autographs they end up signing Bibles. they end up you know going around and it's like you know they're in stardom you know uh, each night I try to watch the evening news and right after the evening news, uh, is Entertainment Tonight or one of those shows like that. And, you know, it's all about Hollywood. And so often I, I think that's exactly what happens. We get people that get mesmerized. They, they become these, these kind of Christian superstars. I think to myself in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul dealt with this issue with the church at Corinth because he said, and I'm quoting here, this is the word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, the truth of the matter is, Paul's making it clear here that even in that time period, some people were saying, hey, listen, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. But the truth of the matter is, the reality is that Paul or Apollos or anyone else during that time did not shed his blood for them. The truth of the matter is, the only one that should be recognized and honored and glorified and held up there, the one who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is Jesus Christ. And see, I, I still think today it, it's an issue. It, it's an issue that is larger But it's so large, it has just taken over visible Christianity to the point where I know that I would have my naysayers, I would have my critics, uh, whoever listened to this, uh, this podcast today, they would come against me. But the truth of the matter is, we become no different than the world. We market individuals. We place them somewhere in this great place, you know, where they're almost untouchable, and their head swells. And, and, you know, the the Bible, God tells us to be careful of men who speak well of you. Do you realize that? Because if they speak well of you as they did the prophets, what do you think they eventually did to the prophets? They killed the prophets. See, the truth of the matter is, I I look at the story here, and, and this. listen to the whole story. I don't want to get too far without giving you the story, because I think it's so important. But according to the Christian Post... Harvest Bible Chapel James McDonald, the pastor, took a lavish African safari vacation on the church's dime, a move that was supported by the elders. This is according to a letter from his former bodyguard. Now, let me ask you a question. First of all, let's just go there for a moment. I know you don't want to, but I'm going to go there. Does any pastor anywhere in the world need a bodyguard? Could somebody help me here for just a moment here? I I, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure this one out, because I don't see Paul, I don't see Peter, I don't see Jesus with a bodyguard. But yet I see many men today in certain ministries and churches who have bodyguards. For what purpose? Well, because my life has been threatened. Okay, what's the worst can happen to you? The person who threatens you, takes out your life, you're going to be with the Lord, right? And I'm not being facetious about this either. I'm just being honest. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Isn't that the better thing or the best thing? I mean, what are we afraid of? I mean, Jesus, you know, specifically told Paul, don't be afraid of the people. Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you out as what? Sheep among wolves. He told them what they should do, how they should act. He warned them what was coming, but at the same time, he told them not to worry, not to be afraid. So we have bodyguards today. And we have people that are supporting moves, like, for instance, this one happens to be an African safari vacation. Now, I know many pastors, and I mean this too, if they get a vacation once a year, it is a miracle. It's a blessing. And when they get a vacation, it's usually to the state park. And they're usually putting their family in a pop-up tent. And that's going to be their vacation. Now, again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just being honest here. But but apparently here in this, in this article, there have been more and more, I guess, evidence has come forward that's made it clear that, that um, McDonald was given a $5,000 budget for a vacation. And this is what the church had allotted him. Now, again, I, I've been a pastor for many years. The church may allot you a vacation, doesn't mean they're paying for the vacation. That's something, too, that just got me. I mean the truth of the matter is you know you 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 have vacation time you have a week two weeks whatever yeah you, sometimes certain churches depends if they if they understand what pastors go through and what is necessary sometimes there's a sabbatical every a few years I, I mean I'm not pleased but they're paying though for his vacation $5000 dollar excuse me is allotted for his vacation but um after taking a mission trip the longtime pastor said he was too stressed out and $5000 wasn't enough matter of fact he it's been reported now that on this african safari vacation his desire was to shoot a high value animal a sable to be st- specific they're saying which cost about $15 to $20000 so apparently, while he's on vacation, if I'm understanding this right, uh, he, he wired back or he, you know, sent word: "We need more money. We got to increase this. This $5,000 vacation just isn't enough. We're too stressed out. We need more." Uh, it's also been reported also that there is issues with others on staff. In which the staff would take a three to four day retreat at a resort in the Dominican Republic. Then there was the additional cost of flying each one of their wives to join with them. And again, this was all because of the extreme amount of stress McDonald and the staff was experiencing as being pastors and leading these, you know, this mega church, multi-campus issue, and you know. And I'm thinking to myself, you. This is blowing my mind. According to this is interesting, according to a journalist, a former Moody radio host, Julie Royce, in one of her blogs, listen to this, she noted that another church employee penned a letter alleging that James McDonald greenlighted a forty thousand dollar expense for a fence for a deer herd at Camp Harvest in Michigan. And apparently, austerly measures such as removing the coffee and the water dispensers were being implemented at the church. Now, all of this, and there's other things, too, comes at the fact that, you know, James McDonald, what was this man being paid? Now, this is interesting, which I find this really kind of unnerving, To be honest with you. The salary continues to be kept private of what, Pastor McDonald met, I mean, what he made per year. According to Dave Corning, a founding elder who chaired the elder board for 21 years, he said apparently back in 2009, that's a long time now, McDonald back then was making a combined $550,000 from both the church and the Walk in the Word broadcast ministry. $550,000. $550,000. I mean, when you begin to read stuff like this, uh, it just blows your mind. Um, apparently, just recently, um, the executive director or former executive director of business operations at Harvest Bible Chapel, Dean Butters, explained in his letter that the church had paid $50,000 to help McDonald move and store his personal belongings. Um, apparently also it's coming out that McDonald used church funds to purchase over $500 worth of cigars. At one time he gave a waitress a $400 tip with church funds. Um. Also, I guess he explained in his letter to the elders that McDonald had demanded his office be renovated in 2013, which would cost $150,000. Uh, all this took place. I, I, I sit here and read this. I don't want to keep on going on and on, but I, I'm sitting here stunned. Because I I really believe that what is happening today has become more and more commonplace, and it shouldn't. First of all, I think what some folks don't understand is really the role and the responsibility of the pastor, of the shepherd, as being one of the shepherds. I I find this interesting because the Bible, God's holy word, really talks an awful lot about leaders in the church. And most people don't realize this. Well, first of all, we went to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul tells young Timothy as he writes uh, excuse me as he as he t- uh, writes to the church at Ephesus he, he says to them and he meaning God Christ Jesus who's the head of the church he gave some as apostles some as prophets some as evangelists some as pastors and teachers for what reason "...for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ." And it goes on. But but here it talks about a shepherd, a pastor who teaches, or a pastor and te- These are the shepherds. These are the elders of the church. Uh, Paul writes to, to Titus. And he writes to Titus, and he reminds Titus, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders, plural, in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. Listen to this. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. And we know that the priority of the shepherd of the church is the Word of God. We also know the prayer in the book of Acts, as the apostles led, and as they demonstrated. And prayer in the Word is what is really important in the shepherd's life, but he also must shepherd the flock. But he is to shepherd the flock by example. He's not to be hungry after sword gain, or the things of this world, or money and riches, which the Bible, God tells us, that many men have fallen into ruin because. It reminds me, years ago, I was a part of a church where there was the pastor on staff that was doing things and taking money and using money improperly, and, and it was wrong. And when it came out and it, it became exposed, and you had church leaders who wanted to cover it up. They didn't want people to know the real truth. They actually wanted to lie about it because they were afraid how it would affect ultimately the church in its future. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible talks about how to deal with elders. It talks about how to, you know, there should be accountability. There should be accountability in the body of Christ. There should be a plurality of elders, and there are those who uh, truly excel at teaching, and those who excel in areas of administration, and they should be properly taken care of by the church, but at the same time, not raised to a status and to a place where they're untouchable or where they're making so much money, it becomes the who's who of Christianity. It doesn't make any sense. As a matter of fact, in the Paul, when he writes to Timothy, the young pastor, that when an accusation comes against an elder, you can't receive it just from one person. It has to be a basis of two or three witnesses. And it says when an elder is wrong and who continue in sin, they are to be rebuked in the presence of all people so that the rest will be fearful of sinning. So they don't necessarily get thrown out of the church, but they got to be rebuked. They have to be confronted. They have to be dealt with as leaders of the church. People have asked me time and time again, what is really the role and the responsibility of a pastor, of an elder? And the only place I could take you is First Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. So Peter was one, too, as an apostle. And witnesses of the sufferings of Christ, and the partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sword gain, but with eagerness, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. There's so much. If I broke this down, you'd be amazed. If you take 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, and you just study that, you'll be blown away. If you break it down, you'll be blown away. That is the role and the responsibility of a true shepherd. And the bottom line is, we are t- shepherds to, to watch over the flock of God, that which has been allotted to your charge. You're to be an example in your word and your conduct, your speech, your actions, in your faith. You're to watch your doctrine carefully, what you believe and why you believe it. matter of fact, Paul, he told young Timothy in 1 Timothy in the letter in chapter 4, starting with verse uh, 14 on down, he tells him exactly what he's supposed to do and why the Word of God is so important. But he also, in verses up uh, further than that, starting really in verse 6 going down to 14, tells, talks about his personal life, about what he should do as a pastor, as a shepherd, what he himself should be doing personally to spiritually enrich his life and continue to be the man that God has called him to be. But what I love about all these passages is the exhortation to be an example. And see, that's where I'm going to wrap it up here today. That's the problem with these stories, because then people say, okay, that's biblical Christianity. And the first story that came out, or another story that came out just a few weeks ago before uh, or around the time of the firing, we have this uh, particular pastor saying words. he's Apparently, uh, his microphone was open, and he was caught saying, saying things that uh, apparently were untrue, but things that were vicious and, and mean and hateful and nasty about others uh, within Christendom, uh, some within the church, within other ministries, whatever the case may be. I mean, I, I thought to myself as I read this, wow! Now listen to me. When we're regenerated and born again, we become a child of god we don't stop sinning but we should sin less as we continue to walk and live by the spirit of god we should truly be men and women of god but these men as leaders they're the examples but they're still mere men and i want to close with that reality they're mere men and i really believe down deep inside that is one of the issues And I think we're guilty, we're truly guilty today in Christendom. All pastors, all true shepherds should point the flock to one person, the perfect example who is Jesus. But as we point people to Jesus Christ, we should live out that example. Paul once said, as he wrote to the church at Corinth, um, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ as I imitate Christ. In other words, if you're not imitating Christ, don't imitate me. And the truth of the matter is, all these stories we hear about are mere men. Men who have been saved by the grace of God, at least we would believe that. And God has used them, but somewhere along the way, something has gone wrong. Either their love for money, either they have truly lost their first love, who should be Christ. They set their affections upon money, upon fame, upon things of this world, whatever the case may be, and some of them have come to complete ruin. Here's a story that just breaks my heart. But you know what? We need to pray for these men who lead, who shepherd, who guide God's people. They watch out. They're supposed to watch out for our souls. They are to be men who are to be teaching us truths. We should pray for them. We should encourage them. We should take care of them. But we also should keep them accountable. And the truth of the matter is, this is one story that just breaks my heart because the only man that I could remember and I want to remember is the man that I met that day in the radio station, who I can tell you was definitely not the man that I'm hearing about today. So again, you know what? Keep your eyes focused upon Christ. Continue to pray. Continue to encourage those who lead you and guide you. And when they give you wisdom, make sure it's wisdom from God's Word. Make sure it's rightly divided. Make sure you're being taught and and what is being preached is the truth. God's truth, not man's truth. And again, follow the example, the godly example. But do not place men on pedestals. Do not create superstars in the body of Christ because there's no such thing. God is not a respecter of persons. But the day will come when all the truth will be revealed. And God will reward each other, each person, excuse me, accordingly. But he will also deal with each person accordingly, also. So my thoughts and my prayers go out to Harvest Bible Chapel. Out to all who have been affected, all who are hurting, to a a church that has been just just right now being torn apart, to people who have been hurt along the way, to some who have been deceived, to some who just don't understand, who are confused, to others who are now mocking Christianity and want nothing more to do with it. To last but not least, to the McDonald family and to James McDonald himself. I pray for true biblical repentance, a godly sorrow that will lead to repentance, and that he'll be restored by God, and that he truly would once again walk as a man of God, as an example to others within Christianity. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast. It is a blessing to have you aboard, tell other people about the program, share with them as you uh, listen to it, share it with other people. Uh, and again, if you have any questions, you want to share your thoughts, your comments, your views, your opinions, email me, Marty Minto at gmail.com. That's Marty Minto at gmail.com. And let's together trust God um, that He truly is in control. He is still building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thanks for stopping by. An apologetic show that doesn't apologize for the truth. The Marty Mento Show.